0: Today's episode is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible is a seller and producer of spoken audio entertainment, information, and educational programming on the Internet. Audible sells digital audiobooks, radio and TV programs, and audio versions of magazines and newspapers. To start using Audible today, please visit their website at www.audible.com. That's www.audible.com. Welcome to another episode of Taking You to the Top. In this podcast, Rami spends time speaking with founders and CEOs from across the globe and asks them specific questions to learn exactly how they launch their businesses. Before we get started with today's guest, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any upcoming episodes and to help us grow. If you'd like to get more information and analytics about each guest, simply visit the podcast website at takingyoutothetop.cf. Now, let me spend a moment to introduce today's guest before Rami gets started. Today's guest is the founder and CEO of Safe Arrival. Leading in transportation since 1998 and in line with the ongoing growth in courier demand, Safe Arrival have established a new division to scoop growing demand of online business. A team of young and energetic people is developed with excellent background in the industry of warehousing and transportation to ensure customer satisfaction using a new state-of-the-art system. Join Rami in welcoming him to the show. If you have any questions for our guests today, please leave them in the comments section below. That being said, we hope you enjoy today's episode. Without further ado, are you ready to take it to the top?
1: okay father thank you so much for joining me today it's episode 21 of taking you to the top
2: thanks for joining me you're welcome man
1: so if you wouldn't mind to get us started uh if you could introduce yourself uh take us back from the beginning tell us where you're from how your journey started to becoming the ceo of your company
2: actually the whole story started actually in 2002 i'm originally from lebanon and uh, I flew up from Lebanon at the age of 15 to go to Africa, where I've done on my studies, yes. So I've done my university in Africa, and I had the chance to come to Saudi at the age of 22. I joined a multinational called United Biscuits. I've, this is where my career has started. Uh, without mentioning, when I was in Africa, uh, I was studying and working at the same time. Like, I was lucky a bit to be next to the family business where we were born as fighters actually. Uh, okay. We had to survive to survive a lot of uh, uh, issues in Africa. You remember there was a lot of revolutions at that period. Right. One of the reasons we decided not to continue in Africa and find any opportunity outside Africa. And I okay. grabbed the first opportunity that came in front of me and came to Saudi. That was back in 2003 actually.
1: 2003.
2: And, uh, I started with my United Biscuits as a regional executive and spent at least 13 years of my career with them. Uh, it was an opportunity for me and I was actually lucky because, you know, working with multinationals and especially uh, small multinationals, they give you the opportunity to deliver and drive your entrepreneurial spirit where they hold you accountable and responsible of their plans and they give you the freedom of doing mistakes. And I worked with them in several regions. Like I used to travel a lot uh, to handle different projects. I've been to India, to Nigeria, to Egypt. I've uh, managed different culture, different operational structures, different trade uh, structures. It gives me a bit of uh, know-how over those 13 years until uh, until it has been bought by Godiva, by Ulker, uh, back then in the time. And then the flexibility and the freedom of working was, with free hands, actually, let me call it, uh, had, had over. And then I decided at that time to uh, start my own career. It was not that easy to start my own business. It was full of, uh, of failures, let me say it, where I have spent all my, you know, the system in Saudi, you have your end of service. So I went, I went back in our country. It was a waste of money. And then I had to start from scratch literally from scratch, I came back to Saudi, and I was like working as a salesman, if you want to say it, just to find what is the right industry to, uh, to tackle. So being from a multinational, uh, I, I have the view of the managerial level, uh, managing distributors from a high end, uh, from a high end, uh, let me say numbers, and I know all the challenges. And I've started the business with one account actually, Uh, I had a friend who used to be uh, the CEO of uh, Ifco, and the idea started to serve them as a transportation. And, you know, I didn't have money. I didn't have anything. And this is where the spirit of an entrepreneur starts, actually, by linking the dots. Uh, You have a demand and uh, there is a need and you have suppliers that you need to find to link both and get your commission. And this is how I started the whole business with one customer. I used to be In their warehouses, from being a regional manager handling four or five countries to being back to sales and operation on your own. And I start with the time identifying the opportunity available in the logistic industry. And that was the early boom of, let me say, the logistic industry. In the old days, this industry used to be hated, let me say it in a way or another, where people preferred to be into tech, into finance, into sales and uh, everyone used to go away from logistics. And this is yeah. why there was a need in the logistic industry. And that was the journey where it started from. From EFCO, uh, then I start having, I have good connection due to my career. I start okay. tackling the views of my ex-colleagues to my ex-connections. And I start building this company step-by-step step with one of my former suppliers who used to be a supplier of mine, and we transformed this company into a conglomerate. We are like now the fifth biggest infrastructure in Saudi. But wow. it was a very okay. long way. It was a very long way. Uh, sleepless night, and sure. a lot of So after that, like, I never heard about e-commerce. It was not part of my era of expertise, but being from an operational background and being from a multinational with, with a die diehard, let me call it, die diehard approach. I start approaching e-commerce companies and my first customer was uh, Joli Chic, if you know them.
1: I do, so yes very
2: well. From Jolichic, that was the start of uh, Courier. I never said no for the opportunity, though I know nothing about it. <laughs> uh, literally nothing, you know. Right. I start looking for technology to support me. As you know, at that time, that was back in 2018, there was no uh, proper technology in place to serve that industry. And it was purely driven by the manual work, uh, weak technology. So I went, I met the people in Dubai, I got their technology, and I start learning this business by sleeping in their warehouses. So it's a complete different world. It's a complete different science. And uh, this is how I loved it. And I start with my FMCG background, developed an approach of omni-channel solution, which is scope, storage, fulfillment, B2B, last mile. And that was this, the creation of the vision of the company to make the world a smaller place to, to serve. It's a big word uh, to use, but because the vision is very clear in my mind based on the market need. And then we start growing we took over Amazon and then we took over Savola. It's another 3PL business. Right. Until we reach where today we serve uh, a multi-purpose uh, logistic need which is the highest cost at any company that have operation and that have distribution in the market because the moment of the truth is always lies at the end of the channel, which is the last mile, let me call it, which yeah. is the last delivery, the on-time delivery and the approach to that trade. So that was the journey. It took us two, three years, a lot of hard work, a lot of failure, let me call it. Right. Uh, until we reach where we are today.
1: So uh, the company is called Safe Arrival. Is there any reasoning behind the name? Or it literally means the safe arrival of the goods?
2: Now it used to be the company name, now it's the brand name. I will explain, I will come to that in a bit. Uh, Safe Arrival was the whole objective behind it, deliver your product safely on time. Because the major challenge here for all FMCG companies, retail companies, is how to be able to reach The last destination either it was retail, it was a wholesaler, it was one of their stores is to reach on time through a proper planning. So we support the companies with technology, we supported them with the infrastructure and we make them closer to their customers. So this is the rationale behind Safe Arrival and we have pushed it very strongly with the technology. We have a complete tech team in-house that always keep developing the technology to fulfill that name and to fulfill the promises that we have to our customers.
1: Okay, so is is the technology sort of like a platform for your customers to go in and communicate with the customer? Or is it, uh, Yes. when you mention technology, what do you mean by that?
2: The whole objective of Safe Arrival is to serve the small merchant as much as important to the big merchant. Let's say for instance, you are a small Facebook seller, you are an Instagram seller. Mm -hmm. You don't have a place to store, you don't have the money to buy the software. You don't have the money to deal with big logistic companies our role is to take your hands safely store your product give you the wms uh, give you the accessibility and visibility so you can manage your stocks give you accessibility on your dms so you can upload your orders by details and give you the right training so you can track your deliveries either it was b2b or it was an e-commerce so the technology objective is to give the tools the visibility and the accessibility of our uh, customers or our merchant, let me call it, to manage their business in a more efficient way, building on analysis, building on the extraction of the information from the system where they can track all their business, uh, do their analysis, do their uh, delivery rates, and uh, the estimation time of delivery, uh, how much time it's taking to deliver every single order without having the hassle of going doing it manually. Sure.
1: I mean, that sounds incredible for for the smaller companies to have access to all of that, it sounds perfect. Yeah,
2: and that—that that uh, is the, the that we have actually.
1: Okay. So, um, was the company bootstrapped, or did you raise capital to start the company?
2: It's a hybrid. <laughs> this is it's a hybrid <laughs> thing. Uh, as I told you previously, like it started without funding. It was starting uh-huh. from uh, wet. A lot of efforts, a lot of consistency, uh, connecting the dots, finding a supplier, getting uh, facilities, finding a commercial getting better, uh, better uh, uh, payment term, and building yes. the fund slowly, slowly from the profitability uh, until it became really big. Uh, uh, I went into the trap. I went to a big trap actually, where I scale up. I was so ambitious in a way where I made mistakes and it's not wrong to make mistakes. And the company became so big to a, to a level that I wanted the, the right people, the right team, the right uh, proper management. I was not lucky with that at that period. And though saying that I had to go and uh, raise funds after that. And after two years of operations, I went and I raised fund because I was in debt. In debt in what sense the company became big and you start a company without a working capital it's not easy to sustain it, especially sure. at that scale. 22 warehouses across Saudi. You have your own fleets, you have your own trucks, you have your own payrolls. So it became literally, uh, it was a dream that came uh, a reality in a very short period. Still, it was there was mistakes in between that needed to be fixed, and you want to start getting the right people around you so you can continue scaling it up forward. So it was a hybrid, but at the beginning it was like Uh, funded, let me call it, from the sales, funded from the connection, funded from the effort that we used to put on the ground. And when it became big, I had to go and raise funds or to partner with uh, big uh, names in the country so I can sustain the vision that I've served the company with. Okay,
1: so um, because I'm not so aware of the venture capital or private equity markets in Saudi, I mean, yeah. was it through a venture, venture capital firm or a private equity firm?
2: Hold it. Uh, I don't personally, if you want to ask me personally, I don't like a lot of venture capitals. I prefer to go with, uh, let me call it with uh, private investors. Let me call okay. it that way directly, region investors. Because if you go with the VCs, uh, yes, sometimes it's healthy to get some cash. And we have a lot of examples, especially in the region here. There is a lot of cash being injected with VCs but the vision and the bureaucracy uh, doesn't work in such a market. You need to be lean, you need to be flexible, you need to be fast. Being with VCs, it reduces your speed, it reduces your decision-making. In my point of view, I might be wrong, but uh, going with an angel investor, believing in your vision, believing in your plan, giving you the full power to manage the business, uh, it makes it more accessible, more lean organizations that have a better potential to grow.
1: The right, venture capital is
2: in saudi a lot of vcs are investing in specifically in those two industries logistics and uh, technology right thank Absolutely. you the, the amount of investment happening like the first quarter was tremendous after the COVID. sure and um, but here if you went with
1: a private investor would you have to give up more equity than you would have with let's say some sort of debt finance or convertible note.
2: Yes, I would, it's a convertible loan actually. What will happen is oh. the way we raised the fund, we were very clear on the plan and we made sure we are good with it, so we don't have to uh, to, 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 to convert more, to sell more shares in fact. And the okay. strategy of the company and the logistic industry in general, uh, Romney, you cannot grow on your own. No matter what you do, if you don't partnership with other logistic company, with our people that serve your business in different areas, in different countries, you can never scale up. So even the big companies around the world, they don't do it on their own. They always get the outsource people to support them or strategic partners to help them. So if you're clear on your vision and you're clear how you're taking the company forward, uh, this does not become a risk actually, unless you want really to burn money. You know, like there is a lot of companies in the history we've seen, they go they raise funds, they burn the money, and then they go second round, third round, fourth, and they keep raising funds. Uh, because their objective is to keep raising funds. My objective is totally different, is to make a company which is still stable, which has a potential, which is growing healthy, in a healthy manner with the right partners and the right approach. Absolutely.
1: So if you don't mind, could you just, uh, when did you approximately raise those funds? I'm trying to see basically the. The journey, for example, it started off Bootstrap, but maybe after one, two years you decided actually, to after raise
2: two after two years. Two years. When the whole business model has been completed, we had all the warehouses, we had all the infrastructure, and we have the cust- the full customer potential. Uh, and actually we've been we've been dragging with the depth, actually. Let me call it, let me be frank. This is where I've decided to go to get the funds. It was back in February, actually. It was not that far. Back in February. And that was another challenge that we had, putting amazing plans for growth. And boom, suddenly you had the COVID coming over where you had to restructure and reboost the company while sitting from home. That on its own was another challenge.
1: Exactly, yeah. Um, and do, do you think you have, do you have any plans to raise more? Uh, I mean, I guess, from what you just said, I don't think so. You've managed to handle that raise very well, and you probably don't need to raise.
2: Yeah, but stage. you have know that, like, always you get approached from people to merge, like we've been approached by a lot of big multinationals, either to merge, either to acquire. But yeah. for me, it's still too early, too early. But you're open to that, it. Yeah.
1: OK. Um, so at the moment, uh, what's your company team size? How many employees? Uh,
2: we are talking of 450 employees between UAE and Saudi. Okay.
1: Between UAE and Saudi.
2: Uh, yes, same Arrival is existing in three countries now: UAE, Saudi, and we have uh, started in Serbia and we've just parked it. We are launching it in Q4. Okay.
1: All right, um, now this next set of questions is for the people listening who are just starting their journey. Uh, they wanna launch a company and they're not sure how to approach getting their first customers. So how did you get your first customers? I, I mean, when I, when I originally sent out the questions, um, it was more software based, but I guess for logistics, there's no sort of email list for logistics. It's more- Actually,
2: yes, I will tell you, my approach sure. in business is a bit different, Rami, Anna. For me, uh, there is nothing to approach. The, the, the right approach or the right way to start your business is to find the need. Right. Uh, my my advice, to, my advice to any entrepreneur or anyone who wants to start a business is to find the need first. Uh, use back, You go back to his database, to his connection, to his people around, because this is where you can start it. Having a need and having a supplier for that need, and be the intermediate at the first time, at the first step, and then you take it forward. So find the need is the most precious question, if I'm going to say it to any entrepreneur. Yeah. Is there a need for that market? If yes, then you are in the right business. If no, you are using something called the red Ocean strategy, you are just going in a big fight with the big sharks where you will not have an opportunity to do it. Right. Okay. So,
1: is the
2: right What
1: product? is that
2: again? The red ocean strategy? I like that. Uh, red and blue ocean strategy. The red ocean is that you go and you compete in existing markets. You go, you fight with existing product, existing services. You don't have a depreciation edge or an advantage edge to go and compete, to be able to gain customers. Or going to a blue ocean, which I've used in my business, you go to an untapped market, an untapped, and there is a huge need for it, where you can cover that need and no one will tell you no, either it's a friend or it's a new customer, while you go and serve him and show him that services, he will request to take it because he needs it. So the blue ocean, as you go, for example, what I've done with Safe Arrival, I've started all my warehouses in the remote region of Saudi Arabia, not in the core cities. Because in the main cities, you have the sharks, you have DHL, you have Aramex, you have all right. those big players that funded billions on their businesses, but they are very weak in the remote regions. So I went, I grabbed my market share in the remote region, I became strong in the remote regions. That is the biggest challenge of everyone. Then I came back to the main cities. Uh, very interesting. That's, that's, that's my approach to anyone who wants to start his own business actually so you know the egg or the chicken so <laughs> right, exactly the right answer man is there a need for your product is there a need for your business if no keep thinking to find the right need so you can serve it easily and right.
1: okay and um currently do you do you use any sort of marketing channels or social media for your business or you don't need to do it because word of mouth will
2: do the rest Yes, for the time being, for the time being, what we do is using the regular social media platform, but okay. on a personal level, I've been investing into my LinkedIn profile for almost eight years to gather a lot of followers from different type of industries that uh, that I've been through my career, and that was a big help uh, for my business, actually. LinkedIn okay. is a secret tool that everyone should use because this is where the money is I agree, and it's actually now a trend I'm seeing
1: since I started this podcast. Yeah. Maybe 95% of my guests have mentioned LinkedIn as their favorite tool.
2: I will tell you, because it connects you to the right people, especially if you are into B2B business, not B2C. B2C, we go to conventional media, which is TV, radio, outdoor. But when you are into B2B business, your best, 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 best platform is LinkedIn by far. Absolutely.
1: Okay, Father. Uh, if you don't mind, we can uh, wrap up with The Famous Five. The Famous? The Famous Five. Uh, they're like a quick fire questions. For example, number one, what's your favorite business
2: book? Actually, Think and Grow Rich. That was one book that hit me. It's a book from Napoleon Hill that okay. hit me since I was 21 years old. Uh, The second book, which I advise people to read as an entrepreneur, is The Eight Steps to Take Before Making the Leap. It's a book that takes any business owner in the cycle of the business and how to set up the proper procedure and the processes inside of his company in in order to make sure success and sustainability. Uh, And I advise everyone to read the Blue Ocean Strategy book. This gives you a better understanding of uh, of how to uh, manipulate inside of a very active, fast environment, business environment, especially nowadays. Yeah. And with all the technology around. And uh, I think one, uh, The Seven Habits is a good book as well that I would love to advise people to, to to read. Okay.
1: And number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying?
2: See, every CEO, if I would tell you that there is, a role model CEO in my point of view, I would be lying to you. Uh, every CEO has his strength and his weaknesses and every CEO has its chances in this life. Uh, sure. There are some people that were successful because they had the right people around them. You have people that were successful because they had a great idea. Uh, every single CEO has a different strength from the other. Like if you go see like Bill Gates at differentiation, Mark, he has a different idea. So for me, I always take the strength of every single CEO on some of his strength that I manipulate around. I don't take a role model because there is nothing called a role model in the business environment. Every business is different, every environment is different, and every uh, personality is different. So that would be my my approach. Like I always take the best practice from each and every one and try to combine them in a way. Sure.
1: All right, and number three, um, what would you, well, I think you've actually answered this, but it's, what's your favorite <laughs> online tool for growing your business? Yeah. LinkedIn, I'm guessing. Hello, Father. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, I'm guessing number three, which is, what's your favorite online tool for growing your business?
2: By far, it's LinkedIn, as I okay. said, by far.
1: And number four, if you could give your 20-year-old self a piece of advice, what would it be?
2: Uh, believe in yourself. Believe in your dream. Uh, be consistent. And be patient. Because nothing will come from a push of a button. You can have upside downs. It's a roller coaster, my friend. When a, being yeah. an entrepreneur, it's a roller coaster. Believe in your vision. One day you're up, one day you're down but believe in your vision and keep going on. That's what it takes to overcome all challenges. Absolutely.
1: And the final question, how many hours of sleep do you get every night?
2: <laughs> That's a very tricky question, man. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> you don't sleep. <laughs> to be frank to be right with you, I always try to have a balanced life. It never worked. Uh, being in the business world and operation wars, man, sometimes you don't sleep. Sometimes you, sl- you spend two days without sleep like which is yeah. not right, healthy way but by the end if you want to succeed you have to sacrifice those nice sleep hours but on average I sleep 3-4 hours uh, a day and luckily yeah. I take my Friday to sleep scra- to crash actually on Friday <laughs> literally I crash on Fridays it's not the advice that I give to anyone but by the end if you need to succeed in some areas you have to get those sleepless nights no matter what you say
1: Okay, Father. Thank you so much for joining me today, giving us some of your time, and I, I really look forward to possibly following up with you in a year's time to see where you've expanded, which countries you've gone to. That would be be, really great.
2: It would be a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much, Father.
2: Thank you. Thank you. you.
1: Take care. Bye bye.
0: Today's episode is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible is a seller and producer of spoken audio entertainment, information, and educational programming on the internet. Audible sells digital audiobooks, radio and TV programs, and audio versions of magazines and newspapers. To start using Audible today, please visit their website at www.audible.com. That's www.audible.com.